Welcome to Optimist in Progress with me, Tom Johnston, and my co-host, Dr. Drea Letamendi. Hi, Drea. Hi, Tom. It's great to be here with you. Great to speak to you too. And this week, we are talking about the mundane tasks that can actually potentially help our mental health. Um, Last episode, we spoke to Lizzie King, who created Lizzie Loves Healthy. And Lizzie, as well as creating um, incredibly healthy food recipes and having a whole philosophy around eating together and, and connecting that way, described some of the tasks that she did um, as giving value to her and giving space to her. And she talked about uh, the importance in her daily ritual of having a bath, but also just enjoying chopping carrots or peeling and doing something that was simple. It didn't require a huge amount of mental uh, input and in fact allowed her to kind of slightly zone out because she's she's good at it. She's comfortable using a knife. If you're a beginner, that might not be such a good idea. Um, but she was able to, through these tasks that she was so familiar with to not rush them and just enjoy taking time doing them. And she said there was some kind of benefit there, which you picked up on. And I'd love to talk a little bit about that. Is there something in these mundane or repetitive tasks that... Um, in amongst all the chores that we all have to do, we've all got too many things that we have to do, but is there a way of looking at a mundane or a repetitive task uh, that it can bring space, that it can bring um, clarity, that can actually be something that gives value rather than just takes energy away from you? She certainly reminded me that I'm rushing through my day, that I rarely pause and feel grateful and think of the moment and just look at what I'm doing. Like how often do we look down or pay attention to the thing that's right in front of us? And so I was so delighted that she brought up the importance of everyday mundane, low level tasks. I think it's important to point out why this is something that we need to pay attention to. Like this goes back to mindfulness. Tom, you're probably familiar with mindfulness when I say that. What is like your, what is your working definition of mindfulness? I guess being conscious of what I'm doing when I'm doing it and being absorbed in it, not worrying about where I should be, not worrying about what I shouldn't be doing, not worrying about who I shouldn't, shouldn't be talking to at that particular moment in time but actually just being present and focusing on what I'm doing, whether it is a being present in a conversation with someone else or whether it's being present in something that I'm doing. Do, how does that, does that, does that qualify as an answer? Do I get a tick from Drea for that one? <laughs> I think your working definition is personalized. It's individualized. It, it works. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I'm so glad that you said that too, because everybody has their own working definition of mindfulness. And I was about to say for me, the working definition comes from a psychologist that specializes in mindfulness research. We know that this is an area of work that has been practiced and studied and examined for hundreds of years. In the current era, John Kabat-Zinn is seen, at least in psychology, as the father of mindfulness work, in particular, how mindfulness and meditative strategies can reduce stress, anxiety, and other negative internal feelings. 
I love the way that he defines mindfulness. He says, mindfulness is the awareness that arises from paying attention on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally. So much is said in so few words, but we're paying attention. So we're pausing. There's a Mm -hmm. stillness to it. There's sort of a mental stillness to it. We're taking pause. And there's this intentionality, which has been something that comes up on the show a lot. There's intent. The why. Play that sentence back again. That's an amazing sentence. Mindfulness is the awareness that arises from paying attention on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally. Amazing. That non-judgmental piece is hard to do, but is really important. It means that we are willing to be open to whatever thoughts, sensations, feelings come our way. And we're not judging it. We're not saying it's bad, it's good. There's no evaluation to this. And the reason why that's important is that it makes mindfulness very accessible. You can't really do it wrong as long as you are caring about the moment itself. Mm. At the heart of being mindful is being present, being completely in the here and now. So going back to mundane tasks, these activities and chores and everyday things that we we have to do or things that are sort of in our checklist, things that keep our surroundings tidy, things that others might tell us, hey, <laughs> maybe you need to take care of this or maybe that th- those dishes need to be cleaned or this table needs to be decluttered, whatever, whatever it may be. Uh-huh. We often don't want to be present with those things, right? Um, There's really little that's pleasant about those activities. But as it turns out, when we combine mindfulness with these activities, we can find that it actually, as Lizzie suggested, can be really good for our well-being. Now, naturally, when we try to focus on just one thing, our thoughts can wander And I do this all the time, especially if I'm trying to be mindful. Uh, I'm unable to be in the here and now. This is something that people may find difficult. We project ourselves forward or backwards in time. We ruminate about mistakes or setbacks or worry about future events and uncertainties. So tuning into your activity is a strategy to actually escape those distressing feelings of the moment. So there's this balance here. Instead of leaving the present while performing this repetitive task, try to come fully into the here and now and be pretty aware of what it is that you're doing. That's, that's good guidance. I think it is so easy to be distracted. There's so many things that can take us out of the present um, every single moment. And I'm just thinking of the, the Zen refrain of chop wood and carry water. Is that low-level processing when you're doing that, when you're doing something that is, it doesn't require 100% of your focus to do it, so you can kind of do it whilst your mind can kind of relax? Can you say more about the saying, chop wood, carry water? My understanding of chop wood, carry water, is it is about not getting caught up in the end result. It's about being present in the process of something. It's not about worrying too much about where you're going. So you're not chopping your wood necessarily to make a fire or build a house or do anything else. And you're not carrying water to 
drink it or to give it to someone else. You're focusing on those tasks, um, knowing that they're part of something else, um, but you don't need to worry about the next step. You can just get completely absorbed in them. And that's where the meaning is. The meaning actually is in the process, not in the destination. Um, and so that that helps kind of thinking, a kind of Zen way of thinking. So I hope I haven't horribly paraphrased that, but that's my interpretation of it. It's about being present in and and understanding the kind of the the moment and the 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 process rather than focusing and rushing ahead too much to the destination. Absolutely, that experience is a core feature of mindfulness. This experiential mental stillness and so if when you said low level processing i think there's some similarity there i wouldn't necessarily say that there isn't a ton of processing happening because the brain is still pretty active in managing the meditation just in different ways so perhaps Mm. cognitively we might not be as activated and Studies do show that the stress response system does minimize. So it's better controlled. It's reconciled. So there is, I would say, a good amount of activity, but toward restoration and toward uh, reconciling systems in the body. So I don't want to make it sound like there isn't work happening. Uh, There's a ton of work happening, but it is regulatory and it is holistic and i think that's probably where your question you know really resonates for me that there is so much value in being in that moment that stillness that pause that ability to gain from the movement however subtle it can be and not get carried away with what's next or where will this take me or, or, or even thoughts about how unpleasant tasks can be, which then override right. this whole system of recovery. And is there any pitfalls in this? Is there anything that we should look out for? Because it sounds like we, I personally should be doing this every day, but it sounds like these, this is a really good practice to help presence and to even potentially take something that might be on your list of things to do that day and turn it into something that can bring some value. Definitely. Some research demonstrates that prolonged focus on tasks that we don't like, let's say if you don't like folding laundry or putting dishes away, whatever those tasks may be, that experience can lead to displeasure if we're hyper-focused on the literal Mm. task itself. Hopefully that resonates. Hopefully that makes sense. In other words, when we're thinking of the task itself, pick up the dish, put it in the dishwasher, wipe off the food, we actually do get pretty dissatisfied. And one can argue that that's not really what mindful activities are. It seems that we need to identify elements that are pleasing and relaxing in the moment, but not necessarily get caught up in the details. So for instance, For the example of washing dishes, the mindful experience would be opening up to the sensations. So what are the sensory experiences? Maybe it's the smell of the soap. Maybe it's the feel of the bubbles. Maybe it's the warm water over your hands or the sound of the water. 
Now, I'm sure people listening find this to be <laughs> find this to be humorous or silly. They're doing dishes; they just want them to be done. But again, while doing the dishes, if you focus on the movement, the sensations, the here and now, that can be the experience of mindfulness. So it's not so much the mechanics of it that we focus on to gain from this experience. So it's interesting because some studies have reported that while we're doing these tasks, if we do allow our minds to wander a little bit more freely, that can lower stress levels. So there's an interesting balance here where we're tuning into the here and now, but we're giving ourselves the freedom and the flexibility to allow the brain to sort of be in that moment and go where it wants to go. So I am really bad at, or my habit, when I have a task in front of me that I might not want to do, laundry folding, the dishes, name it, there's a very long list. I use that time to put a podcast on or try and listen to something or, or listen to music or have something else going on and by doing this somehow that I can enjoy I can kind of switch off from the task I'm listening to something else I'm doing it am I by doing that am I kind of I think what I'm doing is avoiding getting that frustration that you just talked about it with the task itself and you know I'm enjoying the podcast I'm listening to all the music that I'm listening to but am I missing out then on the opportunity to kind of be more present, be more mindful about how I'm doing that. I think it depends on where that secondary activity takes your mind. Does it mean that you're allowing yourself to be truly in that moment, enjoying the music, being fulfilled by the sounds, being fulfilled by knowledge? In many ways, I could see that as being a part of this paradigm and I think everybody is going to experience uh, these different formulas in multiple ways. Some people may have a very distracting way to do their tasks or their activities, in which case they're paying so little attention, they're making mistakes, they're mm. you know not separating appropriately, whatever that may be, that they're really not, you know, they don't know what their body's doing. And that is not recommended. So I think it's a balance and it's also about the dose. If you have a full day, actually a monotony and monotonous work is a predictor of poor mental health. So let's be clear about that. Chronic boredom and understimulation, especially for young people leads to, I don't know why I pointed to myself, especially <laughs> for young guy. people. Let me clarify 18 to 24 years old and, uh, and younger that level of understimulation leads to stress, alcoholism, substance use, and other mental health concerns. So those of us who are constantly in laborious roles will wear out. Being expected to complete a number of tasks that need to be done for the household, let's say for several hours a day, that can lead to stress. So I yeah. think it's important to sort of keep that in mind as we have this conversation. So if I want to take a routine task and turn it into a mindful task, what should I think about? Have you got any tips? I do have a few tips. One is 
make small moments into big moments. Whether it's that feeling of accomplishment or gratitude, whatever is associated with completing these tasks, let's harness that. For some, they're caring for their household, their family members, maybe a caregiver or a, uh, a, ch- a child, someone who they're taking care of. So there's this relationship. There's an association with these tasks and responsibility, love, and care. I also think, you know, for folks who are trying to augment these experiences and activate the senses, why not, you know, try to think of activities that um, might bring them this meditative benefit. So one way we can activate the senses, for instance, is to include scents, the aromas of lemon or citrus. Um, Maybe it's a physical sensation. So when we're gardening, we we feel the soil in our hands, or we feel uh, the maybe we'll take our shoes off and feel the sand beneath us, the smell of freshly cut grass. For some people, that's annoying. But for others, that is a refreshing smell. So try to connect those sensations to the tasks themselves. And the last thing I want to say, of course, is that it is a privilege to see labor as boring and meaningless. For some, labor is their livelihood. So it's not boring and meaningless. It is a necessity. So I think that might also, for folks who are wanting to gain a sense of gratitude and appreciation, that can also be applied to these activities, activities and tasks that we have the ability to find them to be uh, almost meaningless. That can be something to be grateful for. Well, thanks, Ray. I think I'm going to give that a go this evening. I clearly have a, a lot of things that have the potential to make a mundane task into a mindful task. But I, I love trying to find these places and give little pockets of space in the day rather than uh, just looking at a kind of big, long list of things to do. So here's to finding the mindful among the mundane. Agreed. I think it sounds like a wonderful thing to think about every day. You've been listening to Optimist in Progress, a podcast from Optimist Drinks, presented by Dr. Drea Letamendi and Tom Johnstone, with original music by Reginald Science Perry, edited by Brian Ward, researched by Lisa Farr Johnston, and produced by Natalie Parrish. For more information, go to optimistdrinks.com forward slash podcast or follow at Optimist Drinks on Instagram. For more from Drea, follow at Arkham Asylum Doc on Instagram. And for inquiries, email us podcast at optimistdrinks.com. Thanks for listening.